It's tough, isn't it? Even in Christian families, tempers sometimes flare. Christians sometimes find themselves irritated by insignificant things. Then, too, we don't talk with each other about our faith or about our Savior as often as we might like to. Family devotions scare many of us. We all know we should worship and pray together as a family, but sometimes we don't just because we don't know how. Today we're going to talk about Go First Into Your Home. It's part two of a two-part series, and uh, we're going to begin by talking about some Lenten and Easter activities, and then share more suggestions about having a fun family devotions in the home. Last week I ended by just beginning to talk about some of the activities and ideas in my book, Witnessing a Lifestyle, and uh, this is under an article called Easter Offers Opportunities to Share Christ. I began, but I didn't really get through all of it last week, devotional resurrection eggs, and I want to begin again with that. Uh, Twelve large plastic eggs can be used as a teaching tool for children and adults. Inside each colored egg, place a small item that reminds us of the passion story, along with a written Bible verse. Put an empty communion cup or a small piece of unleavened bread into one egg. These remind us of the Last Supper meal. In another egg, put a sponge and a Bible verse about how Jesus' enemies gave him a sponge filled with vinegar when he was thirsty. In another egg, put a piece of wood. As you open this egg, talk about how Jesus was nailed to the cross and suffered for our sins. In another egg, you can put a toothpick that would represent the spear that went into Jesus' side after his death. An eraser inside an egg can help children understand that with faith in Christ, their sins are forgiven and washed away, are erased. Another egg could have a coin inside. Judas betrayed Jesus with 30 pieces of silver. We can talk about the number 12. Ask how the 12 eggs remind them of the story of Jesus' birth, suffering, and death. Hopefully, they'll remember that Jesus selected 12 disciples or apostles. A small chain can be used to explain how we are in bondage to sin before Jesus broke the chains by his death. A piece of linen can remind us that they stripped Jesus and beat him. A thorn can remind us of the crown of thorns that he wore and suffered having those soldiers push those thorns into his head, and that suffering was for you and me. The final egg that you open should be empty. The women and the disciples found an empty tomb. Once you've decided on what to put inside the eggs and the appropriate Bible verse, arrange the eggs in the order of the gospel story. Then add, open one egg every day for the 12 days before Easter or one egg each week for the 12 weeks before Easter. It's just a good, simple, very interactive way to share the passion story with your children and adults. Always a good uh, Lenten activity. Uh, another activity that I have in this uh, article is dyeing eggs with natural products. When my children were young, one year we dyed Easter eggs using a variety of natural products. Eggs boiled in onion skins turn yellow or orange. Eggs boiled in blueberries make a beautiful blue color. Beets will make another great color. 
After boiling the eggs, you can fix the beets as a vegetable. Spinach leaves are another option. Experiment with various vegetables and fruit. Use those times to talk about the wonderful world God created and how nature can be used to show us a rainbow of colors. So instead of buying the dye at the grocery store, use natural products. It's also a great scientific project for you and your children. Do you put out Easter baskets for your children to find on Easter morning? Why not adapt this tradition and allow the children to hunt for baskets on Easter morning? After they have ample time to find their baskets and look at what's inside, give them a little bit of time, they'll want to look, invite them to sit with you as you read a portion of the Easter story together. One of my favorite stories after hunting for the baskets was to read the story of the women running to tell the disciples that Jesus was not in the tomb and how the two disciples then ran to the tomb looking for him. Of course, he wasn't there. He had risen from the grave, and you can talk to the children or read a a nice book that you buy uh, from a bookstore, or you can read right from the Bible. But be prepared and know uh, what verse you're going to look up and make it short and interactive. Uh, We love to do... um, charades or acting out Bible stories when our children were growing up. And that's something you can do with the Easter story as well. You can do this uh, and involve not only your children, but your extended family at your family gathering. Uh, Remember, I just mentioned the women running to the tomb and then uh, uh, Peter and John running to the tomb. Uh, There's lots of activities in that Easter story, lots of ways to act out stories. And usually when we talk about charades, we talk about acting them out without speaking. Uh, We always had teams, and we allowed all of them to be involved in that. Many uh, congregations organize an Easter egg hunt and invite their community Use this opportunity to extend an invitation to those who come to join you for your worship services. Make sure parents receive something about the times of your services and Sunday school times when they come for those Easter egg hunts. Uh, Before you send the children to hunt for the eggs, share that Easter story. Make it a mini children's sermon. Make it age appropriate for the children. Explain that after the resurrection, the disciples hunted for Jesus. But he was no longer in the tomb. He had risen from the dead. Tell them that when we have faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And when we die, we'll go to be with Jesus in heaven. Another great activity, again, is in in my book, is Easter cookies. And I'm not going to read the whole recipe, but again, I'll mention that I will share that with you. Or you can just order the book. Uh, We're offering... um, With a $25 donation, we will send you a copy of my book, Witnessing a Lifestyle. But making these Easter cookies can become a family tradition. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's just a great um, recipe because with each step, you're talking to your children about the passion story. So the first thing you do is place pecans in a zipper bag and then allow each member of the family to beat the pecans with a wooden spoon, and soon they'll break into small pieces. You can then remind them that Jesus, when Jesus was arrested, he was beaten by the soldiers. And uh, the recipe goes on. Um, make sure you tell them that he was beaten for their sins and your sins. Make it personal. 
Uh, then uh, one of the ingredients is vinegar. So you let each child smell the vinegar. Then you put it in the mixing bowl and tell them that Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, he was thirsty and he was given vinegar to drink from a sponge. Uh, and you can then read John 19 verses 28 to 30 and talk to them about that. And then the recipe goes on. You continue to put all of these different things together. Eventually, you put the cookies in the oven that has been turned on. You turn the oven off. You go to bed. And the next morning, when you get up and you open up the oven, you'll find the cookies, and you'll notice that they're hollow. Because on the first Easter, Jesus' followers found the tomb open and empty. And then you read Matthew 28, 1 to 9. So each thing related to these Easter cookies uh, has something you do together as a family. And it it makes a great family tradition. You may not want to do it every year, but certainly uh, with extended family, it would be a great activity. Very interactive and fun. And they taste good, too. Extended family members always gather for food and fellowship on Easter. If your family is like mine, some of your relatives are not Christians or have fallen away from the church. Use these opportunities to be the light and salt to your loved ones. Talk about the sermon your pastor preached that morning. Talk about Jesus' resurrection and that he still lives today and what it means to be a Christian. Jesus said to Thomas, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Now, I want to go on talking about some other ways that you can have devotions in the home. I started some of this last week on part one. This is part two, so it's pretty much a lot of the activities. The theory was last week. Uh, I talked last week about using Play-Doh for devotions. And another thing that I used to do with my children a lot was shaving cream for finger painting. The reason I like shaving cream is because it is really just soap. So if you use the kitchen table and let them just finger paint, you can work with them with shaving cream and make a face with the eyes, nose, and a mouth or make a cross. Very simple things you can do with very young children and uh, talk to them again about their faith in Christ. So you might make a cross Uh, or you might uh, make a tomb and talk. Whatever the story is you want to share, you can do it together. And uh, the the great thing about finger paint is because it's, uh, as long as you're not using a wooden table, if it gets on your sweater or your shirt, it just will wash right out. So it's not like doing real finger paint that can be really messy. You can do it almost anywhere. And it should be done together. That's the really important thing. You can take a walk together and talk about God's marvelous creation. How many things can you name that God made? Take a piece of paper, put A through Z down the side. Take uh, your children or youth to the park and ask them to find something that starts with an A. They'll find an ant or B, a bug, or C, a caterpillar. Some of these things they may not find so easily. Uh, You will have to help them. But uh, if they're very young, you're helping them with their sounds, you're helping them learn. And most of the things they find are going to be things God created. After you're done, you might say, now, which of these did God create and which of these did people create? And uh, break it up in that way as well. So you can use it as a teaching tool. We need to teach them how to pray. And um, a couple things that we 
uh, that I share when I'm teaching parents. One is a prayer chain, taking just slips of paper that I've cut up and uh, having at the at the devotional time, helping your child write a prayer. Every person that's there writes a prayer. If they're very young, the parents or grandparents help the child. What do you want to pray for? I'll write it down. You tell me. And you write that on the piece of paper, and then you pray that prayer. And then you make it into a prayer chain by stapling one circle into the next. And so over a period, if you do this on a regular basis, you'd be able to wrap your kitchen or your living room in prayer. And the good thing about it is, you know, a couple weeks later, take a look and see how God has been answering those prayers. Children need visual things. Prayer is abstract. And that's why I like the prayer chain for very young children. But it's just a great way to wrap your home in prayer and also see how God is answering. Another prayer uh, tool that we use, uh, my daughter was in MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, uh, when our two uh, older grandchildren were young. And uh, we went to visit them in Chicago, and Seth was about five. And so there was a prayer cube And it was just made out of heavy paper. And on each side of the cube were different prayers. And at the dinner table, uh, before they uh, had the meal, they would throw, he would be asked to throw the cube on the table. It was paper, so it didn't break anything. Whatever side was facing up was the prayer that they would use for that day. Well, Seth was around five at the time. He loved doing it. And Lizzie was only a little under two years old. And uh, I said to my daughter, well, why don't you let Lizzie throw that cube? And she said, oh, but mom, Lizzie doesn't know how to pray yet. She's too little. I said, she'll know what to do with that cube if you give it to her. And we did. And she threw that cube. Um, So uh, just a fun thing. I have the directions for the prayer cube and seven or so prayers that you can put on each side of the cube on our website. Uh, at www.familyshieldministries.com, and then you go to Family Ministry. It's one of the PDF uh, forms. It has a a model for making the cube, very simple thing to do out of construction paper, and lots of different prayers. One of the prayers is ABC123, thank you, God, for feeding me for a very young child. I'm going to make a few announcements and then continue talking about some activities you can do in the home with your children and youth. Each week, Family Shield offers a a booklet or a resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering practical strategies for family life. To receive the booklet, call our response center at 1-877-317-4326. We encourage our listeners to sign up to receive the Family Shield email newsletter on the homepage at www.familyshieldministries.com. Family Shield is offering my book, Witnessing a Lifestyle, as a gift to anyone who donates $25 or more in March or April. Just put book offer on the memo of the check or include a note about the special offer with your donation. Send donations to Family Shield Ministries. P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Your gifts are tax deductible as allowed by law. You can also donate through PayPal on the website at www.familyshieldministries.com. I want to go back to, I was talking about some of the prayers for the prayer cube. I'm not going to read all of them, but uh, I have different types of prayers 
for different ages. Uh, it's amazing to me how many people don't know that there are different kinds of prayers. Certainly one of those prayers on the prayer cube is make up a prayer. We don't have to um, always read the prayer. But for the little ones, it's nice. I remember um, uh, this one, TikTok goes the clock. Now it's time to pray. God, our Father, God, our Father, once again, once again, we will ask your blessing. We will ask your blessing. Amen. My daughter learned that song when our three-year-old Lizzie came home from preschool, and she found her teaching her doll how to sing. It's actually a song. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not very good at singing. Uh, Teaching her doll that prayer, and uh, now it's a favorite of of their family uh, for one of the prayers that they use. So, again, uh, lots of different types. There's the tune to the Superman one, Thank You, God, for Giving Us Food. Thank you, God, for giving us food, for the food that we eat and the friends that we meet. Thank you, God, for giving us food. Amen. So lots of different types of prayers. Again, that's on our website. Other things that uh, are in my Witnessing a Lifestyle book, uh, fun family devotions uh, in um, uh, some of the activities. One that I do all the time with parents that I teach them how to do. I don't read it. We actually do it, but I'm going to share uh, what we do now with you in a shorter format. If you know how to play regular tic-tac-toe, you will enjoy this adapted version. Use it to review Bible stories, Bible characters, books of the Bible, or places. To begin, draw a large tic-tac-toe grid on a large poster board. Inside each square of the grid, write the name of the Bible character or a question about God's Word. Then split the family or group into two teams. You can do it just with two people. That's fine. Or you can have a large group. The first team chooses a character or question from the grid and tells something about that person or answers the question. If the team chose a square with Moses, they might say Moses led God's people through the desert. If the team makes a correct statement, they can place their mark, either an X or an O, just like in regular tic-tac-toe, all over Moses on the grid. If the statement is incorrect, the other team can challenge them, and then they don't get to mark the grid. Take turns, and as in regular tic-tac-toe, the team with the three X's or three zeros in a row wins. To begin a new game, make a new grid. It's a fun thing just to brainstorm things that you could put in those different grid boxes with your family as well. You can adapt this game for younger children by placing pictures in the grid instead of words. So cut out those Sunday school leaflets your children bring home. For example, in one grid, you could have a picture of a cross or a picture of Jesus or a heart. And for the little two or three-year-old, you would just point to them and say, now, what is that? Or who is that? And see if they can repeat that for you. Um, Again, when you're done with your tic-tac-toe, Bible tic-tac-toe is what we call it, just have a closing prayer. And uh, what we found with our children is they didn't want to stop. When we did Bible games, they wanted to continue. I, if someone has to kind of lead it, and you would ask additional questions. Like we might put John 3.16 in one of those grids and just ask the team to share what that Bible verse says. And what I always say is, it's okay to use your Bibles and to look up the answers. We want them to have positive response, not get get 
have a, have us saying no, that was wrong, and then go to the other person. So I always say we can use the Bible, we can look it up, we can help our team members. Another activity that we always had such a good time doing, and I still do when I do parenting groups, is Bible charades. In this version of the old favorite, mom and dad choose a favorite Bible story for one or more of the children to act out. The others in the group try to guess the story. Again, when you do charades, you're not talking, you're just acting out. You may want to prepare by looking through the Bible for stories. Write these on small slips of paper, then let the children select a slip. Talk about the stories after you act them out. Remember to stress God's love and patient forgiveness for his people despite their faithlessness. Here are some stories you might want to include, and after uh, each of these, I have the Bible verse, but I'm not going to read each one. So you can look it up in case you don't know it. Noah and the Ark. Moses brings the Ten Commandments down from Sinai. I had a sixth grade Sunday school group that that did Moses um, uh, and the, the Ten Commandments from Sinai, and it was just, uh, they just did such a great job. I would always just let the kids go out three minutes, decide what you're going to do, come in and uh, act it out for the rest of the children. Joseph and the coat of many colors. Jonah runs away from God. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus arrests death and burial. Jesus appears to Thomas, and the list goes on. Um, I, I want, I, I, I've had um, uh, groups with people that are 67 years old all the way down to three years old, and I remember one time they did Noah in the ark, and the three-year-old was Noah. <laughs> and then behind them came uh, all kinds of animals, the elephants and the bears and the monkeys. And uh, it was just fun to see how creative people can be uh, when they act out those stories. Of course, once you begin, you and your children will think of many other examples. If you have a larger or extended family gathering, you can, again, divide into teams, which we do when we do group, when we do this in group settings. Conclude the evening with the family prayer. Remember to thank God for his unending love and forgiveness in Christ. Also remember to thank him for your family and for the good times you have together. I hope that fun family devotions is fun for everyone <laughs> because um, it, it's uh, if it's not, uh, they're not going to want to continue to do it. So again, interactive, uh, ask questions, share information, let them have a good time while they learn about Jesus and God's Word. Another activity, Bible memory fun. God has promised many blessings to those who treasure his Word in their heart, yet many children find it hard to memorize Bible verses. Many adults have not taken time to learn a new Bible verse since they were children. Why not try learning one new verse a week as a family? Playing games can be the key. Choose a verse, write it and the reference on a large piece of paper, and then cut it apart word by word or phrase by phrase. Hide these word cards around the house before devotion time. Make sure you have at least one word per person. Tell the family how many word cards you've hidden and then give them the go signal. At this point, everyone searches the house for the cards. When all the cards have been found, everyone should return to the living room or kitchen to assemble the Bible verse, then look it up in the Bible to check your answer. Talk together about what the verse means and how it might ap apply to problems or situations your family faces right now. Read the verse together several times. Then let the youngest family member take away one of the word cards. 
Read the verse again, adding the missing word. Continue taking away the cards and saying the verse until you have removed the entire verse and can recite it from memory. Remember, very young children may not be able to do this, but do it together as a group. Save your word cards for review at another time. Again, end the evening with a prayer. You could stand in a circle and thank God for something about your family. Sometimes uh, families haven't prayed together and they feel really uncomfortable about that. But uh, as you continue to do it, you'll feel more and more comfortable with it. And um, I think a lot of times we need to help ourselves learn how to pray out loud, but also our children. They learn it very easily. I'm remembering our uh, grandson, Seth. He was only about six years old. We had a big extended family gathering and um, my daughter said, Seth, would you like to say the, the prayer? I don't remember what holiday it was. And, and he, because they do this regularly at home, just very comfortably prayed uh, uh, for the entire group, uh, not, not a form prayer, just prayed to, to the Lord and led that large group in prayer. And uh, that's a blessing. So again, many other activities. Uh, one that I enjoy doing uh, is M&M's Remind Me of God. It's in my book as well. Uh, I do it a lot of times for children's devotions now in churches, but um, I, you can also do it in the home. And of course, the children love it because you're using M&M's in the little bags that you get at Halloween and talking to them of how M&M's remind me of God, the colors, red. If you ask the children, they'll remember that red is for the blood of Christ. Blue, the sky, the beautiful sky that God has created. The colors, the circle that God is uh, has no beginning and no end. The circle uh, reminds us of that. And uh, the many other ways that M&Ms can remind us of God. And then, of course, we always tell them to share how M&Ms remind them of God with someone else, getting them to share their faith outside of the uh, little home that they have. And then we also give them a little bag that they can taste the M&Ms themselves and share it with others. So uh, this has been a two-part series on Go First into the Home, talking about uh, uh, sharing your faith at home with your children in many and varied ways. Uh, One of the things that we do is help families Learn to implement the six traits of healthy families. That includes commitment to promoting each other's welfare and happiness, appreciation and affection, positive communication, time together, spiritual well-being, and the ability to cope with stress and crisis. And uh, this is certainly focused on spiritual well-being. Um, as I conclude, I want to read a couple verses from Second Timothy And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Just uh, that one. And then um, uh, 2 Timothy 1.5, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. This is Kay Meyer. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.